This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford, a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Gosh, I've been practicing about 26 years now as a psychologist, and I started podcasting two and a half years ago in order to reach all different kinds of people, kind of to extend the walls of my practice. I wanted to reach people who are already interested in psychological issues, maybe even in therapy themselves. I wanted to reach people who had just been diagnosed with anxiety or depression or bipolar disorder or something where they were looking for answers or they were having relationship issues that confounded them or confused them. But then there's that third group, that group that might really never darken the door of a therapist but might just be curious enough to listen to a podcast. Now, this isn't therapy, but I am a therapist, so you're going to get an idea today of what talking with a therapist might just be like. So welcome to all of you. As many of you know, I've been writing a book on what I term perfectly hidden depression, which will be launched November the 1st of this year, I'm excited to say. And recently, I've been revamping my website posts on it. Google likes that, supposedly. But what I'm finding out, because I've been writing now for four to five years about it, what I'm finding out is how much my own thinking has grown with all the interviews and the posts I've read on perfectionism or the articles I've read since I began researching it. You may have listened to some of the episodes on Perfectly Hidden Depression. They're interspersed throughout self-work. It starts with number three and four, and then there are several others, or at least four to five others. So if you're interested, Perfectly Hidden Depression is a syndrome which actually has 10 characteristics, most of which have to do with perfectionism, taking lots of responsibility, not having access to your painful emotions, being a friend to other people, but never letting them befriend you really, truly. And I'm so concerned about it because our suicide rates are growing, and I'm afraid perfectionism has something to do with it. So today, we're going to do another installment of a Perfectly Hidden Depression post, because one of the things that I'm discovering is that when you challenge your own perfectionism, grief may be waiting for you. In fact, that grief might be part of why you were hiding in the first place. Our listener email is someone who answered my question from last week's podcast quite directly and actually very poignantly when I asked, was there feeling in the group about whether I switched formats or added a format to have guests? So I wanted to see how many of you agreed with this listener. I could see her point, so I'd like to run it by you. So welcome again to Self Work. Sit back and we're going to be talking about giving up perfectionism and perhaps discovering grief. Perfectionism. It can so easily cloak depression, and you might never recognize it for what it is because your life looks perfect, and you work extremely hard to make it look that way. But what could you be trying to avoid? Perhaps grief. I have to admit, I've always been a bit of a perfectionist myself, and it was much worse when I was younger. I can well remember my life being in shambles, just going through one more horrible and demeaning fight with my then-boyfriend and later, sadly, husband. 
I felt so much shame for what I was creating. But it was time for a visit home, and I'd gather whatever pennies I had in my name and buy something new to wear, so I could appear as if everything was peachy. I'm relatively sure it wasn't too hard to see under the surface of that charade, but it was so important to me to put it on. But it's interesting. Looking perfect to yourself or trying to put one over on those that love you isn't necessarily the kind of perfectionism that seems to be most devastating to mental health. The kind of perfectionism that is most destructive is the kind where you believe and govern your life by perfectionistic expectations that you sense are constant from others. There's a team of researchers who's really looked at this and published an article in the Harvard Business Review. I'll have that link for you in the show notes. And here's what they say. Yet perfection is an impossible goal. Those who become preoccupied with it inevitably set themselves up for failure and psychological turmoil. They become obsessed with winning validation of others and demonstrating their worth through flawless performance after flawless performance. They ruminate chronically about their imperfections, brood over what could have been or should have been, and experience considerable anxiety and even shame and guilt about their perceived inadequacies and unworthiness. So let's look at how all this can get set up. You do something really well. In fact, you get told that no one can even imagine it being done any better. You get elaborate praise for it. Someone who doesn't have perfectionistic traits will pat themselves on the back and absorb the positivity. However, someone with severe perfectionism and underlying insecurity will vow to themselves, next time will be even better. But then there's the next time and the next time. The cycle can become never-ending. In fact, in my study of this subject, I have found that most people don't do anything about this. They just keep going and keep going until something snaps. They'll either have an external event, like a divorce or something that really jars their world, maybe a parent's death, or they'll have trauma from their past that finally catches up with them and they just can't function. And they decide, you know, I've got to look at my perfectionism. It's killing me. So what happens if you begin to challenge that need to look perfect, to be perfect? What if you're ready to grieve? One of the things I did in the book is offer stories from people that I had interviewed. Now, these are real stories and real people. Obviously, their identities have been masked. But Laura's story is about giving up meeting others' expectations perfectly and what happened when she did. Laura was a 50-something woman who'd been in an emotionally abusive relationship for years. She'd taken the blame over and over for the conflicts between her and her husband, just in order to keep the peace. She focused on raising her kids, volunteering for several organizations in the community, and running an interior design firm that specialized in remodeling. She often did pro bono work for those who couldn't afford her services, was known citywide for her generosity, and never, ever said no. Her standards were the highest in the city, and she liked it that way. Yet in therapy, finally for her extreme loneliness, fatigue, and finally recognized depression, she'd chosen to challenge her habit of taking on excessive responsibility. That's a very typical characteristic of someone with perfectly hidden depression. That's where she was going to begin her healing work. She laughed. It may not be much, but I went to my PEO meeting this month, 
they were asking for volunteers to run the upcoming silent auction, and I sat on my hands, literally. But interestingly, she then went on to discuss what had happened when she left the meeting. I got in my car, and all of a sudden, there were tears in my eyes. I felt ashamed. Other people are as busy as I am. I should have taken my share. Then I stopped myself. Why do I feel like I've always got to do more? The answer to that question became clear as we worked together. Laura had been adopted as a child, treasured and pampered by her parents. Yet they would also remind her how lucky she was. That if she hadn't been adopted by them, she wouldn't have all the privilege she enjoyed now. Her worth didn't seem to reside in her. It was dependent on her parents' generosity, or that was the message they doled out to her as a child. There was no arguing with that logic. Rationally, those facts were true. They'd adopted her. But she thanked her parents over and over again for the adoption. But the message of, you owe us, never ended. The reason why Laura became a perfectionist and invested inexhaustible amounts of energy into others was based on this tremendous insecurity she felt as a child. It had become her job to prove her worth, constantly. But you can hear how she found grief and even shame when she began to question what she was doing. If you are anything like this, or if you love someone who is, what has to happen is for you to look at what early dynamic forced you into a perfect-looking role, where you are ever grateful, ever enthusiastic, ever performing your duty and responsibility. And when you begin to give that role up, when you no longer try to meet perfectionism's expectations, you can find grief. You're likely to be angry about whatever caused you to believe that perfection was a must. You may ask yourself why you spent so much time trying to do the impossible, need to grieve that time, and reinterpret what your own perfectionistic journey has been about. What did you need to learn? And you may be very afraid of what others will think of you now. What role will you play? This kind of reinterpretation is something I really recommend to people who've gotten a divorce. They'll say to me something like, I can't believe I, except for my kids, I wasted 10 years of my life. And I go, wait, 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 wait. I know it's like putting money in the bank every day, and then you go 10 years later to the bank to draw your money out, and it's gone. Obviously, the reason why you gave all that attention to that relationship was because it was going to last, because it would bring you a forever kind of fulfillment, and now you're alone again. And so you can feel robbed. But if you use this same process of reinterpretation, you get to think, wait a minute, what did I need to learn? What was the value of that relationship? Not just about my kids. So this process of reinterpretation can happen any time that you're trying to grieve time and energy spent. But when you do it, it's very much worth it. So to return to our conversation about perfectionism and stopping meeting the expectations of others just because they want or need you to do something is so freeing. Life can hold true fulfillment when you set your own expectations and work toward enjoying the process, when you respect your own boundaries, and when you believe that your worth is innate.
The listener email today didn't catch me by surprise, but it was an almost immediate response to me talking about perhaps changing the format of the show or adding a format to the show of adding guests. I've been talking to my publicist, and of course, they want me to sell as many books as I can. And they were talking about maybe having guests on the podcast, which I have done four or five times, and I enjoy doing it. So I just put it out there for y'all to discuss with me or get back with me on how you felt. So here's her answer. Thank you for keeping your emails confidential and for following your passion of wanting to break down the stigma of therapy and providing what I've found to be a wonderful, empathetic, compassionate, experienced, and wise supplement to my wonderful therapist here in my town. Thank you for those kind, kind, kind words. Having said the above helps justify my answer to your question from yesterday's podcast. I prefer not to listen to other guests on your show. You may end up helping more people than you will ever know because most of your listeners do not contact you by continuing topic-based online psychologically therapeutic sessions rather than conforming to every other podcast format, which includes interviews. I've been listening to you for five months have shared you with multiple people, and it's because you are different than the rest. You are providing a true service to me. I enjoy your insight from your many years of experience. It's as if I'm sitting through a 25-minute mentoring session with an incredibly wise auntie whose voice makes me feel loved and safe. I had an Auntie Margaret, so that makes me feel good. I look forward to each new episode on Fridays because it is not a talk show with interviews. Hopefully, my fellow listeners agree. Here's another reason why. Whether or not you can ever provide online or phone therapy, most of us cannot visit your office. You are creating a trust with your listener, me, where I can get perspective, hope, and insight from someone whom I've come to trust as a person who can help me. In my mind, there is a connection when I listen to you. When you have a guest, it's just an interview, and I'm then transferred to third-person status in the conversation. The connection and feeling of being lovingly guided or helped is gone. I can't quite explain this further because I don't have that deep understanding yet, but you're the psychologist, so you may understand why I feel this better than I do. I do understand it. It was very well put. It's like if two people are talking and then all of a sudden the third walks up, it changes the tenor of the conversation, right? A little background. I found your podcast around Thanksgiving, and your knowledge, your voice, and your information on perfectly hidden depression have hit at my core. And I realized, like so many of your listeners, that I've lived with perfectly hidden depression for most of my life. At 42 years old, with a successful career, I'm finally working through some things that were never addressed as a child, things that have rocked my personal life as well as my heart, with my therapist, wonderful family and friends, and with your input. I decorated my Christmas tree last year while listening to episode after episode. Your guidance was exactly what I'd been needing, and I was dehydrated from 37 years of perfectly hidden depression. You are one of my wonderful friends who are feeding me emotional protein, which she says builds mental and emotional muscle. I love that term. I've never heard it. And emotional water. You've helped me in this massive renewal of what I have termed a renaissance or 90-degree turn in life. It's the worst, most painful, and yet most liberating event of my life. Thank you. I've wanted to write to you before, but today seemed like the right time for the words and feedback to come out. I want you to know what one of your silent listeners thinks about self-work. Please continue to follow your passion of helping through this form of therapy. I was very, very touched by what this listener said. 
I had kind of a funny feeling about the suggestion myself, but I'm so interested in all of you and what you might want that I wanted to know how you felt. And actually, if some of you want to email me, ask Dr. Margaret at drmargaretrutherford.com and let me know if you agree with this woman or you don't. You know, certainly I listen to podcasts with interviews all the time and enjoy them, but they are obviously different. Here's my answer to her. I'm very touched by your words, and frankly, I had a similar reaction to their idea. I wasn't sure what it was either, but I felt as if the show would change. It'd be one thing to set up another show, another podcast, and if listeners wanted to go over there and listen, then they could do it. But my preference is to keep self-work what it has been. I may consider another podcast, but let me again tell you how much your own story of listening means. A lot. I'm so happy that you have a great therapist and hope your work with them continues to be healing. And I will keep on going as long as I can think of topics with a little help from this listening audience that I hope others need and want to hear. I'm so very honored still by what I do that people open themselves up in order to heal this time the fuller right way. Thanks for being a listener and for sharing the podcast. Take very good care. So again, if you'd like to comment or cast your vote at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com, I'd love to hear from you. I do get a lot of emails now, and I have been answering them, so please go ahead and do that. So thank you to this listener, and I'll see if I hear from the rest of you. I've already thanked you for being here. I've given you my email address, AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. Sorry, I had no idea when I made that up that if it was that long, I would regret it. (laughs) But at this point, at least it comes trippingly off the tongue. There are lots of ways of getting in touch with me. You can join my website or become a subscriber there at DrMargaretRutherford.com. And you'll get a weekly newsletter containing both my weekly blog post and podcast on self-work. So it's a really easy way of keeping track with what's going on. There'll be a greeting from me and you can hear what's been going on in my life or with a book primarily. But I'd love to have you over there. I'm also on Facebook, Dr. Margaret Rutherford on Facebook, and I post articles there that I think are interesting, plus my own. And I'm doing something really fun on Instagram. It's called What I've Learned as a Therapist. And let's see, I'm on number... 79 right now, I think. I decided I would do 100 days of telling you what I've learned as a therapist. It's been a lot of fun. So I'd love to have you over there. That's just Instagram.com, Dr. Margaret Rutherford. And then there's one more way of getting in touch with me. I've started a Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. That's Facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. There are so many people, almost 700 of us now, And I'm really trying to support conversations between people so they get to know one another. And it's not just this state of anonymity where you don't know who is who or what they're struggling with. You can comment or not. It's totally up to you. But if you come over and join, don't forget to answer the questions. And of course, I'd love it if you left me a rating, a review, especially on iTunes. The written reviews are very helpful to me because I get to hear how you think specifically about the podcast. 
I jumped in the deep end of all this. I had listened to maybe two podcasts when I started recording, and so I'm still learning a lot, and you can help me do that. So thank you so much for listening. Take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.